0: hello and welcome to another episode of creating hope today or creating hope Uh, today we are going to be talking about our service um essentially starting in you know with our recovery how it affects our recovery and more than likely uh you know service outside of the recovery and just are in the normal life path. Uh, As usual, I have Rebecca with me today and my wonderful co-host on this one. And um, I'm, you know, with her podcast, she'll introduce it, but she has uh, Recover Yourself. And I will kick it over to her and then we'll just get started. Hello, Rebecca.
1: Hello, Peter. Thank you for that wonderful intro and welcoming me to the talk. I am Rebecca and I have a podcast called Recover Yourself, which is available on Apple and Spotify. And I post it on Twitter under my hashtag or at Calamity Reeves, whatever that is. Um, And yeah, today Peter and I decided to talk about service And what that means what that looks like for us in recovery and how our service maybe our intentions to be of service were affected or shaped by our addictions um i think it's kind of interesting it it occurred to me that it would be interesting to talk about that contrast you know what what we do it, in the name of service as we're recovering in recovery and how we were discouraged from being of service when we were in addiction, because I know I certainly was. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. And it's going to be less of a formal discussion where we you know, have notes that we're talking and numbers that we're citing. We're just, this is a lived experience talk. So
0: Absolutely. Uh, you yeah, know that's what we're good at. That's our forte. Lived experience, right? I mean, it's it's you know, in a way, I've you know, been noticing more and more is that um, you know there was so many, so many things um, in my life that I was uh, perfect for, and that I was built for. Now, unfortunately, one of them was active addiction, and uh, you know some of the other. Uh, mental health issues that i have there i mean i was um perfectly made for it um and it didn't it it, it i was lucky enough to turn it around and, and turn it into really i think a life that is designed um to serve and service is a uh, it's a big word there's a lot to service and um so yeah i i uh, i like this topic a lot i like this a lot so do you want to jump off or i can go ahead and kind of get that uh, ball rolling
1: well i think i want to take up something that you said things that you were built for like you know people said to me oh you're a good writer you should be a writer oh you explain things well you should be a teacher you'd be really good for this you'd be really good for that and Inside, you know, yeah, I would have been good for all of those things. But what I'm really, really good at, what I excel at is service and like and helping people and offering whatever resources I have as an individual, as a human in the world, as a person who's been through, you know, trauma and addiction and all of these different things what I was built for, what I've been created for is to help other people. And um, I was thinking when we decided on this topic just a few days ago of how my, my approach to service, my attitude to service, my everything about being involved in service projects or organizations has changed and I was thinking specifically of this one time I was living in Harrisburg and uh, I was married and my husband got us involved in a civic organization. And one of the things that we did while we were members of this organization was do cleanups in different neighborhoods in the city. And you know, they are always on like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning too early. I'd be hungover Definitely and not want to do it. And I would begrudgingly go, like, oh, man, I gotta do this shit. i get all my stuff together, you know, gloves, whatever. And I'd go and I'd do it and I'd just be hungover and miserable. And I wouldn't enjoy any part of it. You know, just nothing about the fact that I was helping this, the environment or the community that I was cleaning up in or getting to know other people who were in this service project. It was more of I can't believe I have to do this, and I have to take time away from being an alcoholic. is essentially what it was. I had to take time away from being selfish, and I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted to nurse my hangover and have drink at noon or one because it was the weekend, and now it's like I just can't get enough of it. That is what it is. I cannot get enough of it it, it through my work. I'm out there helping people, trying to help people every day. And when I'm not working, I still want to be at work. I still want to be doing something that's going to improve my community, whether it's environmentally, socially, mentally, emotionally. There's nothing I don't want to do to help my community. And I do so willingly and without any hesitation. And that stark contrast between that one experience you know however long ago it was 15 years ago um and my current attitude is is amazing and all it took was getting sober
0: (laughs) who knew um so yeah the the my story about services you know it It kind of starts, kind of really in the beginning. It's all kind of have this intertwined story about it, Um, and I'm sure yours is too. And if you want to wait on it, um, but you know, you have this this like this huge explosion of 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 everything that you were everything that you are and everything that you want to be happening in the last 4 months you know i know there's there's a, you know a lot of other service that you've you've done over the time but this one this last 4 months has been like incredible right mhm yeah definitely incredible <laughs> do you want to talk about that i mean from from the beginning, what you were like, oh, you know, is this going to be a good fit? Uh, you know, what, you know, this emails thing you got the other day. And- um,
1: yeah, so I started a position as a peer specialist with Resolve, which is a mental health crisis service and i had no i had no experience in the mental health field certainly not the crisis mental health and didn't know anything about what i was doing um my first night working i was told you know just 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 watch us see what we do and then you know we'll go from there so i just observed the whole night i just observed didn't say a word and you know, I'm sure people that I was with were like, "Oh my gosh, this was a mistake. He's not gonna work um but the next night I went out, I was engaging and doing and you know trying to problem solve and reframe and offer validation and experiences that I could relate
0: what is what do you mean by you win out?
1: What does that entail um so I'm in the mobile department of Resolve Crisis Services, which means that people either call, in, call into the phone center on their own or somebody may call on their behalf and ask for a wellness check. Um, so people call in in crisis and then the call is triage, you know, certain indicators are put in so we know what we're doing. And then the, the, the triage is sent to the mobile team, whatever team is on, on shift. And we go to that address and we, we, we talk to the person if they want to talk to us. If it's a wellness check that was requested by somebody else, they may not want to speak with us, but we talk with them about, you know, if they're having depression, anxiety, sorry, this is Elvis. He came in to say hi. Um, uh, Depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, thoughts, things like that, and anger, You know, and we talk to them, provide resources, community resources, uh, mental health resources, uh, support groups, apps, hospital information, um, and things like that. uh, Yeah, any other, anything we have, we're going to try to give to you to help you. Exercises, um, worksheets, informational packets, things like that. Uh, So that's what I mean by going out. Um, so you know by the second night i was i was i was doing it and my skill uh, my skill has been honed since then and just my absolute passion for this has really exploded that was the right word peter thank you it was really exploded you know i'm i just feel like I've come home, you know, when I went to rehab, um, when I left, I, you know, I said goodbye to everybody at the morning meeting. And I said, you know, I never, I always felt like a tourist in my own life. Like I never fit in anywhere and I didn't really belong. I could get some of the customs, but I didn't really know what the culture was. Um, But when I went to rehab, I really felt like I'd come home because I found my people. Right? Like we were all broken in some way, we we're all angry kind of, and you know, we just kind of got each other in a way that is unique. And so going to Resolve, I had that same feeling, that feeling that, you know, these are my people, they get me and I get them. And, you know, whatever mood I'm in, if I'm pissy, they won't mind. If I'm haughty, they won't mind because they've been there, they know, they understand, you know. Um, and so I just don't want to, I just don't want to leave. It's like, I want to move in, Um, but it's, it's really been, you know, very fulfilling and, you know, I'm volunteering for different projects, different outreach projects and, you know, picking up overtime shifts and trying to work in different departments so that I can really understand how, how, um, how the whole pro- project functions and also you know to make myself useful in any department if there's ever a lack of personnel and they need somebody I want to be able to jump in.
0: Wow so so the, there it is really in a nutshell is that it's it's this it's this passion thing you You go there to to help others. Um, You're learning. You're growing. Self-learning. Learning learning at the job. um, Growing inside. And just going, oh man. See, I I knew this already. And I'm just going to put it out there. Because of your life experience. Um, And many. I, I know you and I. When we serve. We're never looking for. you know for like hey you did this and you're gonna get a reward for it um i've never gone into a service thing you know looking for it that way um it's a lot more rewarding just doing it and then being you know and then disappear basically Mm -hmm. but um so but something came to you in the form of of uh way to go lately didn't it with with i mean and you're i mean let's be honest you're you're new yeah yeah
1: i mean you're really new at this yeah Yeah. really new um but But yeah what happened yeah Um, i got employee of the month which you know i feel like if I can be totally honest, I feel like a big dork because, like, Employee of the Month. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> but that's, um, that's, thank you for the validation, Peter, by the way. Um, I, you know, I feel like a big dork because, like, I don't know. that I don't know. Like, I want to beat myself up about it. I really want to beat myself up about it. I was saying to William the other night, like, You know, I'm really fighting myself about this because I'm being, um, complimented, I'm being celebrated to a certain extent and people are recognizing these good, good, good qualities, you know, these, dare I say, honorable qualities in me that I have for so long refused to recognize in myself. I'm so easy to see it in other people and so quick to see it in other people. But I, you know, I think I'm a piece of shit. I think I'm the worst person on the planet, you know, and I, that's years of post-traumatic, you know, emotional, intellectual abuse. And that's, that's how my post-traumatic stress presents and manifests in my mind, in my thinking, in my feelings. Um, and I, I still can't believe that people think I'm doing a good job, even though I know I am. And it feels, you know, when you when you're doing something, you're doing it well. You can feel it, and I feel it. But like, I still am just baffled that other people see it. I feel well, now I've got that imposter syndrome thing. Like I'm not really a good person because I had a bad thought about somebody when I was nine. You know, like. Does
0: that make sense? Do you ever have anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have, or we have this, um, you, you receive that kind of input. Number one, it's, it's, um, even though the space we're in today, you know, we re- we receive it from our, you know, partner, our family, things like that. We get, we get our reassurance, but then when it comes from this outside source, it's like, um, our first instinct is to uh, kick it back and say, um, mm, no, not really. I, I, Uh, you know maybe i see it a little bit or whatever but um it just creates this like a trigger this really uncomfortable thing in us that and i know for me what it uh, what it is is that is that's all fine and good you know for you to see it today and then maybe tomorrow and then as i you know Uh, do other service projects or I do all these service projects and then in the service things that I do and have done Um, the um, thought in me is sooner or later they're going to figure it out they're going to see it they always do and then all that Is It's just trash. So it's like a protection thing. Like, I'm just going to keep it here so when it happens later, I'm not going to be hurt by it so much. And what I've found is that there's no happening later. It's just my mind saying, "Mm, it's coming. It's coming. And I think we because we talk about how you know the recovery how it affects our recovery and you know it's it is part of our recovery because um the things that we've worked on you know guilt shame um are things that are tied to us in such a way that it affects us in in almost everything we do um some you know some of it at different levels you know because we've dealt with it at this level and relationship level and family level and and done these things but in others other things that we haven't necessarily worked on it with um it's a shame it's a shame trigger it's almost like a, uh, I wrote it down real quick like a success or remorse mm-hmm. and it it's hard to take it you know where it should go
1: yeah you yeah
0: know, to yeah. build us up and and make us um that's why i I, i've done some service stuff and try to be as anonymous as i possibly could yeah so i can walk away and almost being of service but then yet uh protecting myself uh to where there was one where they were going to do a photograph uh grilled at a hot grill at a thing and uh, they were going to do a photograph of there, and I did everything I could to get out of it. Yeah, because I knew they were going to put in this little local newspaper and stuff, and I did not want to. I did not want to be in that picture and have my name in there, going, "Yeah, he did this thing."
1: Yeah,
0: it's like, ah. I couldn't get out of it, so it happened.
1: Yeah, success remorse. I like that because, like, for me, it's like, it's like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get. And like, I don't want anybody to know that I did this because I'm never going to live up to that again or reach that height again. So I have to hide it. I have to be ashamed of it because, you know, I peaked too soon, you know, like I've got the rest of my life to let everybody down. It's a shame it happened this early, so I'll hide it. And, you know, I, can't, I have myself in a position where I can't hide it. You know, I can't hide it. Like I have to I have to talk about what I did. I have to write notes, I have to share with my colleagues, I have to do case presentations. Whether anybody looks at them or not, like I still have to do them and I have to think about my actions in an encounter and I have to critique myself and I have to allow myself to be critiqued by my peers. And it's I really I have such an amazing piece with it that it's scary. Because, yeah, Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm always asking people that I work with who I meet, have an encounter as part of a team with, you know, what do you think? How did I do? What could I have done differently? Um, because I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing this for my community. And it won't serve anybody if I don't get better. Um, yeah, it still triggers that, that, I, that, that instinct or that urge to hide and not share outside of my work life. Like in my sure. personal life, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want anybody to know because... I'm deep down, I'm a piece of shit, you know?
0: Well, you're welcome.
1: Thank
0: you. I'm glad I pulled it right out. Um, I I wonder in my mind, if I see it, if I see it as, you know, I just happen to, I have this, if I see it, 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 it's like this bottle and there's my, there's my service, but there's the rest of me you know this whole thing is me and if i wonder if the rest of me was as all the selfish self-centered crap that i did during my active addiction time that um it's such a it's not on um, it's not a goal but i think it's just there is that it, you know? It's like the service that I do is trying to fill this void that I carved out of my of being so selfish. Mm-hmm. And so when it goes in there, it's almost like t- I almost tell myself immediately that's not enough because of what you've done, because of who you were, because of this addiction. And I I I, I wonder about that. And um, and I I and I. I go to a place a lot of times in my mind. um, I can be spiritual. I've been much more spiritual, um, you know, God centered. Um, You know, I've, I've, I've seen and I've done things for me that, that I know that there's, there's a higher power there. I mean, things that are, are beyond whatever beyond normal and so that's where kind of this belief is but uh, I go into my mind and I you know whatever meditate and I start to think or I'm praying and I and I just like you know here's where I'm at it's so dark what can I do now what can I do going through a really ugly divorce many years ago uh, this depression thing this mental health thing uh, really dark, uh, can't go anywhere, can't get out of my bedroom, let alone the house, and really super, just begging for something, begging for like, just relieve me of this, give me something, show me some light, give, you know, tell me, you know? And uh, it never fricking fails that what comes back is one word, not like here's the word from this thing. The thing, the one word that comes back every fricking time is serve. And I'm like, what is that? Why? So the divorce, it's, I've got two, uh, Young girls, first and third grade. Um, and I've, I'm it. I'm the primary care thing. I'm going, what do do I do? I've got, you know, they got school every day. They got, you know, all this and they got to make sure they're home and pick them up and uh, drop them off and dinner and laundry and get their clothes set out and baths and all that, um... I was overwhelmed by, by a lot, and um, had a friend of mine who would come over and he'd talk, to Mike, and uh, I'm just going, I don't know, I just don't know, don't know. That just I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, Well, think about it. Would you know, think and just you know I mean? pray about it a little bit and do that. So I did that way back then, and the thing that came back was serve. And I thought, okay, I know a farmer who had just told me that he he plants like, you know, X amount of big acres of sweet corn. Okay. And he had just said, hey, if you if you want to come up and get any get as much sweet corn as you want, we're done. You know, picking it for our needs and stuff, canning and all that. Uh, whatever you want. And so I asked him, I said, you know, when you, what do you mean by whatever I want? He uh, said, you can pick it bare, pick the field bare if you want. So I said, okay. Um, so we started this thing called, you know, the well, you know, it's pretty common, but, you know, it's a blessed, blessed forward is what we called it. Printed little flyers, got a bunch of plastic bags, went out and filled the trunk in the back seat of my Ford Taurus with sweet corn. OK. And then we put 12 ears of corn in each bag and we had all these bags and we would go to like the you know lower income, you know, apartment buildings. There was a mobile home park. There was, um, you know, uh, and we'd go there and mm-hmm. we'd go to the apartment with all these bags in the apartment complex and we'd stick them by the door, you know, and, wow. get back, and then get out of there as fast as we possibly can. And all the thing on the paper was said, blessed forward. And we both wore these bright green shirts, you know, and we had heard, I can't remember how we heard it. We, I think we heard the lady, the guy come out and he goes, what's that? And we were kind of trying, we were around the corner and, and she goes, I don't know, just a couple of guys in some green shirts dropped off some corn. And off, you know, we were getting out of there. So we were trying to, you know, stay anonymous. And so that was so energizing and so encouraging. It got me out of myself, got me out. And, you know, we were helping others. And then I was going to a church at that time and, um, they had land and they had, you know, part of the land was leased to farmers where they did the field corn, you know? Yeah. And so, In talking to them about it, I got the church involved because we still had, you know, more corn to go pick and and got a bunch of the youth involved in uh, doing this thing and delivering. And then, you know, I I would supervise, you know, make sure now when you drop it off and just get out of there, you know, we're going to be anonymous. It's going to have our little tag in there. And. um, So. The pastor, the next year. planted three times the size of this farmer's sweet corn in our field at the church oh wow and it was it ended up being like a church-wide yeah blessed forward that's amazing and you know it was like okay that's 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 really cool something that started uh for me in desperation um grew and i'm not there anymore but i you know i don't know if they continue to do that or they did anything they keep doing that but it was uh it's pretty special
1: yeah that's amazing that you started that and it grew it mushroomed that
0: was awesome so the 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 message there to, to me it was telling me not that i i took it and made it part of my foundation, which I should. Part of my found, you know, new foundation is to say, um, if you serve, it will work. There's a reward there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but- the reward will come. You you're not seeking one. You don't know what it's going to be, but there's a reward there. Maybe the reward was actually going out into this hot, sticky sun, picking the corn and and um, you know the effort put forth to do that out of my head, maybe that was the benefit. Who knows, you know? Uh So, yeah, yeah, that's one of the, kind of these, um, how I, when it gets really dark for me, I ask that question, I go there and I go And it happened again with, you know, a couple, well, almost a year, I think now. I don't know my anniversary date for this but said <clears throat> so serve and i was watching uh happened to watching some guys on twitch these gamers you know playing this golf game and i'm like wow you know that's cool these guys are you know they're really nice people and they, you go in the chat and you're talking the chat and and they're engaging this their chat thing and i'm like Podcast. That's how I'll serve. I can't go out of my bedroom, my office, or my studio, which used to be in my bedroom. (laughs) So I didn't have to go out to. to, I moved it out of there, though. I moved it downstairs as a as a um, a growth thing, you know. Yeah. That's where the podcast was born. Wow. That's cool.
1: Oh, I just really wanted to hear myself talk. So that's why I got into the podcast games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's that, you know, you've got, you've got this message that resonates in that. Um, you know, you know how it helps you. I mean, you understand what it does and what it has done for your life and yeah, the way you're built you got to you want to get it out yeah and
1: i think it's a way of holding myself accountable you know um when i was in rehab there was this there was another person in there who i really i really enjoyed like she was very kind and funny and she was relatable she was very relatable Um, and she, she was discharged, like, I don't know, it's a time warp in there or before I was anyway. Um, and she said one of the, she had all these different plans to hold herself accountable, right? She had people she was going to check in with. She had a sponsor lined up. Her boyfriend was in a, in recovery as well. So, you know, she had all these different means of keeping herself accountable. And another one she was going to do was put my breathalyzer, in her car. Voluntarily, just, you know. And I'm like, that's a lot of work. Keep yourself straight, you know. That's a lot of work. Just, wow, you know. And I don't want to have, I don't want to, I don't want, I think I'm too proud to put myself, well, I'm not too proud, but I wouldn't want to ask people to keep tabs on me and hold me accountable and take my inventory because it would, that would breed resentment for me, you know, other people intent like knowingly judging me and evaluating me. I mean, I know what happens. We all do it consciously, subconsciously. We're always evaluating and judging people, but like a focused evaluation would make me resentful. Um, so I'm really just holding myself accountable to myself, but there's all this collateral accountability, like job, and you know my relationship with William and my relationship with my family and William's children and William's pan- William's mother and you know, I just like there's all these micro accountability things in the satellite of holding myself accountable to myself, <clears throat> but they're all it's like. It's like, it's the dark, it's the light side of the dark coin. You know, like my alcoholic, deeply dependent and enmeshed side was the dark side. And I was accountable kind of in a, in a mirrored sense. But it was all this dark shit. And now it's just the light, you know? Yeah. The light. Um,
0: yeah. There's enough work in the process as it is mm-hmm. than to try to in a way try to take the in the easier route <laughs> to have somebody else do what i needed to do yeah and right. and it just create it would create uh, way too much uh for me and i like that that Um, because I call them these you know everything I've built in are like these roadblocks that aren't in front of me they're in back of me Mm -hmm. so if I kind of go back I'm like oh I gotta I I can't go there because daughter number one Mm -hmm. son number one you know um rent Mm -hmm. food you know all these things that I've put in play to prevent me from wanting to go back yeah. To, yeah. to that to the active addiction, yeah and, yeah, and now I kind of apply a lot of it to trying to to uh, the uh, mental health aspect of my of my journey, you know um, yeah. trying to you know, once I'm in it, figure out, and today, what tool will I use you know when it puts me back in there? in that darkness you know how can i get out of it sooner so Mm -hmm. it's funny how my you know my early life in service i was a member of the catholic church and and there were service opportunities all the time um one of the bigger ones were uh uh, you know it one of the cool things that you could be was an altar boy Mm -hmm. and um so I was I was an altar boy and um the there was in those early things you know about being of service when it was being uh, taught or ministered by the priest and the nuns and administered I guess uh there was so much shame attached to it so much guilt you know if you didn't serve, if you didn't serve right, if you didn't ring the bell when the time read does the thing, um, if you didn't bring the the water and the wine up to the thing during the thing, and man, I I was over here with ADD, I was like out of freaking control. Yeah. I, I didn't remember nothing. Yeah. I remember this guy named Dave? He was my partner. He'd go, or he'd be across the thing, and he'd go. <laughs> Then I, ding, 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 you know. uh-huh. so thank god for dave he really helped me out but there yes. so there was all this this like a negative connotation attached to mm-hmm. service right mm-hmm. and and i'll never forget this how the universe has such a ironic sense of of uh, being to show you things when you need them. I, when I knew I needed to, to get clean. I I had um, called this uh, this helpline, and back then the helpline was a recorded helpline. And okay. It's like, on sunday night at seven o'clock at this place at sunday night at seven o'clock at this place and here's the contact person here's the phone number so they had all this huge list. so i listen listen and i'm going eh, i don't like that area or i don't want to go there because i have a memory there or something and i don't like the contact person's name you know eh, I don't comfortable with that name and and so i picked <clears throat> a meeting it was it was a monday i called or sunday i called sunday i found a guy that i was going to call on monday that i was going to set the meeting to go to that next sunday a week from a week away so i called this guy his name was perry and um sounded like a nice enough guy said yeah i can i can meet you and um kind of here's what we'll do i'll be out front you know in the lobby it was at a, a hospital saint mary's hospital and they had a treatment center there which i had experienced there through my family and my dad and had a, a family week there when he uh, went there for his alcoholism and um he uh and so he so i said okay sounds good sounds like a plan he goes I just have one question for you. (laughs) What's that? He goes, do you think next Sunday might be kind of far off? I said, yeah, um, maybe. He goes, well, you could go sooner. I go, well, okay. He goes, well, tomorrow. How about tomorrow? I'll see you tomorrow at seven o'clock. Same place. They have a Tuesday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday meetings, you know? So I'll see you tomorrow then. And I'm like, okay. So, I show up and Perry, Perry is a quadriplegic. Wow. And he's sitting there by himself waiting for me. And he, I mean, he got there with help, right? Yeah. But from the moment I walked up, he needed my help. So the minute I stepped in the door of recovery of Narcotics Anonymous, I was of a service. Helped him uh, get into the uh, uh, cafeteria, had to you know, move chairs around and stuff like that to get him space to get in there. And then after the meeting, walked him out and got him into the van thing and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I didn't realize it at the time but it was like wow that's service and I would you know, I, would, you know I had Perry for probably you know about a year he was my he was a great newcomer yeah and, and then through that time there was you know opportunities to serve on committees and service things and um, the one thing that I had done got on the committee of is the live helpline where instead of this recorded thing we were gonna go we we're gonna go live with it. So we set up the schedule, did the whole, got people to be, you know, twenty four seven and people would sit on there and just wait for that phone to ring. And it would bring to a what do they call it? To a, a center or something and then they'd remotely yeah. to you. You know, we didn't have an office or anything, but it was like a a main call center kind of a thing. And then they transferred the call to us in our phone ring. So um, I was part of getting the in Minneapolis, the first um, live recovery helpline you and taking calls, stuff like that. So it was just it was like. Wow. I I love that now, you know, another way that I was lucky enough to be able to serve. And, and then once it was there and up, I was able to let it go, you know, onto the next. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's amazing. It's an amazing story. That's really great. (laughs) Really a great project. And, you know, that's kind of like, kind of like resolve. Um you know, people get transferred to us even from out of state.
0: So are are you connected to the national uh, helpline or was that somehow came through in a different way? Some, I think it came through in a different way. Gotcha. But
1: I'm not sure. Um, But I know, like, I think they do get connected through, like, some sort of system that identifies the area code with. Hmm. Because I was out in... Oregon and I was gonna quit smoking and I called this 1-800 support line and it routed me back to Dauphin County which is where the area code of my phone number is so I
0: don't
1: know interesting yeah So well, yeah I don't know I just and a lot of my my reticence to get involved in service projects or volunteer organizations is just Low self-esteem, you know, like, I'm not
0: good enough to help people, you know. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll add to the effort that other people are putting out because I'm there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, instead
1: of being one body, body, you know. But I have no soul. I have no, no, I have nothing to contribute. Yeah, so, but I think I'm over that now. Oh, like I, I, do I have something. I have something, and some people like it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, but weren't you like before this? Weren't you? Didn't you have like three or four other, like I don't know I don't want to call them pet projects, but projects that you used, that you did for service, like five oh, places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Those kind of okay. things. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I love it. So I have one last, um, service endeavor that I, that I did. Um, and, you know, understanding that I, um, you know, I do still suffer from the agoraphobia and bipolar and all that, and the anxiety attacks and all that stuff, um, it's And it's been with the work that you and I and Paul and these podcasts have done in our discussions and looking and kind of, you know, unwrapping, you know, the layers and stuff. Um, there's a uh, there's a treatment center here and it's probably about a mile away. <clears throat> and oh uh, and it's been there for. 30 years or 25 some very long time so and i know the girl that's the director you know
1: Mm -hmm. i
0: messaged her on facebook and i said hey do you have speakers that come in there and she said yeah we do we have uh you know uh, scheduling stuff and blah 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 and i said well you know i celebrated a milestone in march and yada yada and i said what's the process of maybe getting on that list oh yes (laughs) awesome so a little while later this lady called me and said well here's kind of how we do it you go on like a you know it's basically like once every five weeks or something because you know you have a speaker go in and then you talk to that group Mm -hmm. and then that group moves on and their new group comes in so they put it at a five week kind of thing <clears throat> so april 4th at 5 30
1: april 4th 5 30 all right oh my gosh what are you gonna talk about
0: um i've started you know I, here's what i was going how i was going to start it i was gonna put on like a like a wife beater tank top Uh and then and I've done this before and I have you know my hats and then over that I was going to put a a button-down shirt with a tie on it and then over that I was going to put like a hoodie of some sort or a like a fancy sports guy looking thing you know Mm -hmm. and I was going to go in there and sit there and say Um, I was going to kind of start it with, uh, perception and I was going to ask all of them because what he said, he, they usually come in, introduce themselves, they tell their story and then they kind of open it up for questions. Mm -hmm. They don't need my story. They know my story. They are my story. I'm their story. They know it already. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna say, what did you when you looked at me, what did you see? And what was your thing? Be honest, and I was gonna go around and then I was gonna take the hoodie off. And I was gonna say, Now what do you see? shirt, tie, now what do you see? And I was gonna take that off and have the tats out and go, Now what do you see? And then go into our perception As an active addict are are in such a way that we cannot look at someone or a situation and understand what it is and how it affects us. Because we have a certain lens that we go and then go into the addiction uh, perception you know, and how it affects everything that they are about to encounter and do from eating dinner to going to the bathroom to having to walk out into the world in 20 days. So I thought about that, starting it that way. But I thought what I – I think what I decided I might do is I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my story and then – um the one thing they're gonna, it, he said, is the. Uh, then they talk about how they stay clean, mm. and I was gonna pick three, three items: uh, perception, ego, and perception, ego, and. Mm, I think it was shame. Some, you know, one, one of the three of the things that we have been talking about on our podcasts and our Twitter live stuff. And then instead of them trying to ask me questions as a podcaster, I'm gonna start asking them questions. Ah. So they so they can get an idea of of what what to expect, how they see it, how um you know the lens that they're looking through is they've got a new one and it's up to them to start looking through it and you know how I don't know so it's still kind of a rough rough draft but I'm sure once I get there I'll just go for it
1: yeah, yeah. that's
0: really all you
1: can do so at least yeah. you have at least you have you two good plans you know and if you get nervous, if you decide I want to get nervous, maybe you can just transition to the other. <laughs> I, <laughs> if one doesn't seem to be working. You can transition to the other.
0: Yeah, be prepared. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I did say at the start of this one, I fly by the seat of my pants, there uh, you go. And then, But. We've and, come full circle. We've come full circle, and then,
1: oh, wait, you disappeared.
0: <laughs> you and I know though that we can dig into. If we started a conversation, then we can find the triggers. We can find the things that will further the conversation. That's why we do podcasts. Yeah. Because we can we can do that. So I'll basically use it as like an interview kind of a thing and
1: That's
0: see amazing. what happens. Yeah. Well I'm
1: excited to hear how it goes. If you need to practice before april 4th you know i
0: work but we could certainly practice if you need practice we can find a moment all right um yeah i'm gonna i figure i i i I contend to be a procrastinator but you know on this one i'm gonna um it's too important yeah to write it up on you know the fourth and uh, so i'm gonna i've got a lot written out but i just gotta get it off the rough draft and put it into a draft and decide where I'm going to head. Awesome. So, all right. Well, what do you think?
1: I think, um, I had a pleasure. I had a pleasant discussion with you and everyone. Um, I think service is foundational in my recovery. And I think that it's the, the, role of uh, the role of the support, the support that I provide now is just a natural extension of my personality. It's so natural, it's not it, it's eerie, you know but um I think everybody has that for in some way, not the same way you know it could be anything for you, but I think everybody has that natural service um, ability or capacity. And it's really Zen-like when you reach it. So that said, um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to thank everybody for their support. And I want to thank you, Peter, for continuing to have these awesome conversations with me. Um, If anybody listening is in crisis or knows of anybody who's in crisis and they need help, you can call the hotline 988 and they can transfer you to any other department or agency that can support you in your special way. So, um, please stay safe everyone and reach out if you need to, we're available and we have resources. Thank you.
0: All right. So, um, I want to thank everybody for listening to the creating hope. Um, hope is what we have. Hope is always there for us remember about service it, it it doesn't have to be a monumental thing it could be the smallest of things and do they grow into something who knows who cares but it could be the smallest of things so um keep that in mind if uh, uh service is something that you want to jump into and again I, uh, rebecca i just i just love having our conversations and being able to do these podcasts and and really share um our life experiences and put it out into the world so um again look forward to hearing you on the next podcast you all take care all right have
1: a good night